Hello and welcome to the second episode of the It's Crime O'Clock Summer podcast. Today I'll be talking about the Duke Lacrosse rape case, and just a warning, this case involves the topic of sexual assault. For my research, I watched the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary called Fantastic Lies, and I also used Wikipedia and the Huffington Post. You can now stream all 30 for 30 documentaries on ESPN Plus now. Duke University is located in Durham, North Carolina. They are known for their amazing sports teams like basketball, led by coach Mike Krzyzewski, also known as Coach K, and of course the lacrosse team, which we'll be talking about today. On March 13, 2006, a group of about 40 men were at the 610 North Buchanan House. It was owned by the university, but was currently being lived in by the captains of the Duke lacrosse team. Many of the people who attended this party thought it was just a regular party, but one of the guys said that they had invited strippers to come and dance for them and were even asked to pay for the strippers' fees. The strippers who had come to the party were Crystal Mangum and Kim Mara Roberts. This would later be stated by Crystal. She said some of the boys were using racial slurs towards them and that one of them said they wanted to, quote, stick a broom up my ass, end quote. Apparently, whoever was the one who called the escort service requested two white strippers, and Crystal and Kim were African-American. Crystal and Kim reportedly only performed for about two minutes and then locked themselves in the bathroom of the house. They then came out of the house and were in the yard half-dressed and yelling. There were many people who ended up leaving the party at this point, including two men who would later be accused of this crime. Crystal and Kim left the house before 1 a.m. and both would end up calling 911 that night. Crystal reported that she was being called racial slurs and that she was threatened to be sodomized with a broomstick. Kim also reported that some of the men followed them outside, tried to get them out of her car, and had used racial slurs at her. A witness, a neighbor, also stated that he heard people using these racial slurs. The police even went to Kim's house later the day to follow up, but she never answered. The neighbor was interviewed on this documentary. I believe him. However, he said he was never invited to those parties, and it seemed like he didn't like the players too much. Uh, But I don't think he would lie about something like that. So after the party, this wasn't discussed in the documentary, but before Crystal went to the hospital, she and Kim were in Kim's car and got into an argument. Kim went to a, a Kroger grocery store and reported to a security guard that Crystal wouldn't leave her car. The guard went out to the car and told Crystal to leave, and she didn't. The guard called 911 at 1.22 a.m. The police arrived and took Crystal out of the car and questioned her. Crystal had no ID on her, seemed impaired, which she would later say she had drank a lot that night and had taken a prescription muscle relaxant. Crystal was then taken to the Durham Center Access, a mental health and substance abuse facility, and she was committed. This is when she told the police that she was raped. She was then transferred to Duke University Medical Center. Crystal was examined out there, and there were only small cuts on her knee and her right heel. There was, however, swelling to her vagina. She later confessed that she had gone to another party and performed with sex toys before going to the Duke lacrosse home. The hospital did report that Crystal was acting like someone who had just been assaulted. So now I'm going to go over the investigation timeline. The day after the party, on March 14, 2006, the Durham Police Department started their investigation by by interviewing Crystal and getting a warrant for the house on Buchanan Street. One of the three accused men offered to help the police and even said he would take a lie detector test, and the police said it wasn't necessary. 
The Duke lacrosse team was still able to practice while the investigation was going on. This led to many protests across the Duke campus. People would hang out around the North Buchanan home at all hours, bang pots and pans, and scream. Unless we deal with this, nothing is going to change. It's going to happen next year, and it's going to happen next year, and it's going to happen 20 years from now, and I want it to stop happening. I want it Every to day, it was getting ramped up. It was like you were just waiting for something to explode because it was like a little more lighter fluid on the fire, a little more lighter fluid, a little more lighter fluid. The arrogance and the bravado that they could think that they were above the law or they could think that this woman was below the respect of the human community. Their behavior in a lot of regards is still really despicable. Tensions were so high, you just didn't know what was going to happen. The police also discovered an email written by a player named Ryan McFadden. The email was sent to other players on the team. McFadden would later say it was a joke. The email said, quote, To whom it may concern, tomorrow night, after tonight's show, I've decided to have some strippers over to Eden's 2C. All are welcome. However, there'll be no nudity. I plan on killing the bitches as soon as they walk in and proceed to cut their skin off while coming in my Duke issue spandex. All in besides arch and tack. Please respond. End quote. This email was the number one thing that made people really start to think that these players were guilty. McFadden was never charged with any crime, but he was suspended from Duke, but later came back to school after being invited. Between the dates of March 16th through the 21st, Crystal was interviewed and shown several photo lineups of the lacrosse team. Crystal said that Reed Seligman was the one person involved but didn't attack her. She also never pointed out Dave Evans, who was later accused, and she was shown his picture twice, but what he wasn't identified until later. On March 27th, DA Mike Nifong was brought onto the case and briefed by the detectives involved. Over the, case, over the week, he admitted he gave 50 to 70 interviews and said that the lacrosse team was not cooperating. He also gave his own opinions that the crime was racially motivated. Crystal was shown the photo array again. She finally named her attackers as Colin Finnerty, Reed Seligman, and Dave Evans. She said she was, quote, 100% sure, unquote. She also said one other man was there, but he ended up being cleared because he was never at the party that night. On April 18th, Colin Finnerty and Reed Seligman were arrested and indicted for first-degree forcible rape, first-degree sexual offense, and kidnapping. That day, the police also searched their dorm rooms. On May 15th, 2006, Dave Evans was indicted on charges of first-degree forcible rape, sexual offense, and kidnapping. He spoke at a press conference declaring his innocence as well as Finnerty and Seligman's and said someone had told some, quote, fantastic lies, quote, hence the name of the documentary. After his statement, many people started believing in their innocence. I say that I'm very relieved to be the person who can come out and speak on behalf of my family and my team. I was sitting at home. 
and a friend called and said, you got to turn the TV on. And he started talking, looking straight into the eye of everybody in Durham. First, I want to say that I'm absolutely innocent of all the charges that have been brought against me today, that Reed Seligman and Colin Fernie are innocent of all the charges that were brought against them. When the police first came to my home, I fully cooperated and have continued to try to cooperate with them. When they entered in and started to read the search warrant, my roommates and I helped them find evidence for almost an hour and told them that if they had any questions, we would gladly answer them to show that nothing happened that night. I'd like to say thank you to my friends and family, my coach, and members of the community who have stood by us through everything from the initial weeks to now. Their support has given me the strength to come through this. But the thing that gives me the most strength is knowing that I have the truth behind me and it will not phase me. As for my teammates, I love you all. The honor of being voted captain of all of you, the 46 best guys you could ever meet, it's been the greatest honor of my life. I am innocent. Reed Seligman is innocent. Colin Finnerty is innocent. Every member of the Duke University lacrosse team is innocent. You have all been told some fantastic lies. After Dave Evans' press conference, this is when the case started to crumble. Mike Nifong hired a private company called DNA Security Incorporated, or DSI, to do another round of DNA testing. One of Crystal's fingernails found in the garbage of the bathroom was tested. The report came back excluding the Duke lacrosse team. There, was, there were several male DNA found on Crystal, but it didn't match Finnerty, Seligman, or Evans. The director of DSI, Brian Meehan, testified that he made a deal with DA Nifong to withhold information from the lab report. The police also searched the players' phone records as well as Crystal's. Reed Seligman was not at the house at the time of the alleged rape. He had left to go get money from the ATM and was caught on the surveillance camera. He had also a receipt from the cab he took and his card for his dorm was swiped and registered at the time. Crystal was also on the phone with other people during the alleged attack. The rape charges were dropped against all three players on December 22, 2006. Crystal had told the police that she wasn't sure anymore about her story. No one deserves to be sexually assaulted, regardless of their profession or regardless of what they have done. I'm a real person. I have feelings. I'm not just an exotic dancer. I'm not just someone who tried to frame someone who was innocent of sexual assault. My only intentions were for justice, and I wanted justice for myself. On December 28, 2006, North Carolina Bar filed ethics charges against DA Mike Nifong. They also said he was involved in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, and misrepresentation. He had made over 100 false statements to the media. On January 27, 2007, he was charged with a second round of charges. Eventually, Nifong was disbarred and had to spend 24 hours in jail. On April 11, 2007, all charges were dropped against Finnerty, Seligman, and Evans. Crystal Mangum was not charged with anything or prosecuted. The effects of this case. I think we can all admit that this case affected many people. Besides the players accused, it also affected the head coach, Mike Pressler. He eventually resigned on April 5, 2006. He constantly received threatening emails and phone calls. He was also a victim of severe vandalism.
In 2014, Sergeant Mark Gottlieb died by suicide in DeKalb County, Georgia. Life after for Seligman, Finnerty, and Evans. In the fall of 2007, Reed went to school at Brown University. He made the 2009 NCAA lacrosse tournament. He also became an advocate for the Innocence Project. He graduated in 2010 and went to Emory University Law and graduated in 2013. Colin Finnerty went to Loyola College in Maryland. He went on to the 2010 NCAA lacrosse tournament and graduated in 2010 as well. Dave Evans had already graduated from Duke before his arrest. In May 2012, he received his MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. Life was not kind for Crystal Mangum. In November 2013, Crystal was back in the news, this time for murder. She was found guilty of second-degree murder for the murder of Reginald Day, her boyfriend at the time. She said she was killed in she said she killed Day in self-defense, but was sentenced to 14 to 18 years in prison. I think Crystal had severe mental health problems and maybe some addictions. However, it's hard for me to show sympathy on her rape allegations when other victims are not believed as a result of false allegations. This is something I hope changes in the near future. So my book recommendation for this week is sticking with the theme of sports. So I recommend The Rise and Fall of Aaron Hernandez, All-American Murder by James Patterson. So we all know the story about Aaron Hernandez, the New England Patriot who was hiding some dark secrets. So this book goes through the crimes, his trials, and his death. I've literally watched everything about Aaron Hernandez from The Oxygen to the Netflix show. I feel like they always have more twists and turns that I didn't expect. Aaron was a complicated person, but in my eyes, he was a murderer. Um, the The rating that I give this book is an 8 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please follow me on social media. You can find my Instagram in the show description. And please subscribe to my blog, kylie'strucrime.squarespace.com. Also, a huge thank you to Joseph McDade for the amazing theme song. You can follow him on Instagram at Joseph McDade Music. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.